welcome to, I forgot the name of our podcast. Uh, oh, hi everybody. Welcome to Never Been Wrong podcast. I'm Tara. That's not what it's called, first of all. So What's it called? I feel like we're negating the title in the, before we started. I've never been I've wrong. I've never been wrong? I've never been wrong. Oh. <laughs> I, no, I've, I've never been wrong. I've never been wrong. Okay. Um, hi, welcome to I've Never Been Wrong. I'm Tara, and I have absolutely never in my life been wrong about one thing. Except when you just said the name of our podcast wrong. <laughs> but. It's been a while since we recorded, okay? Um, but I'm Charlie, and uh, I edit this podcast, so just know that for whatever pain and suffering you have, I have it tenfold. <laughs> I am super excited because it is a Tara episode, and I get to traumatize and or stump Charlie today. More than usual. Yeah, exactly. So I have not told Charlie the topic, but I have um, definitely made her nervous because I told her that this could go one of two ways. One way being she actually knows something about this because it's related to definitely something that she's spiraled about before. That could be anything. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or this is going to cause her to go into a new spiral. So stay tuned for how it affects her. We can do some like mental health check-ins periodically. <laughs> so to start our venture into the world of true crime, um, I decided to pick a non-gory topic um, for Charlie's sake and for your sake, dear listener. And today... I want to talk to you all about the Chicago Tylenol murders. Oh, I do know a little bit about this. Tell me what you know. Well, listeners may not know this, but I am a hypochondriac. So mm -hmm. um, I take a lot of Advil. Tylenol is not my preferred uh, medication. Um, and I also, for work purposes, used to have to know a lot about the history of uh, industrialization and these sorts of things. So I know about it from kind of like a regulatory stance, I guess. Um, but I don't know that much about the dude who actually did it. Um, but it's also something my parents were always obsessed with when I was growing up. Like, check for a safety yeah, that seal. Yeah, check for It's the same as like the Golden State Killer for my mom. <laughs> so um, for those of you who have no idea yet what we're talking about, um, it, my cat is going absolutely nuts. You need to chill out. Um, a total of seven people died as a result of drug tampering in the Chicago metropolitan area in 1982 from laced medication. Um, as you can guess, it was primarily Tylenol. Which honestly, if you're taking Tylenol, that's such baby shit for headaches. Like, Well, Tylenol at the time in 1982 was the number one selling pain reliever in the United States. Um, I mean, legally, probably <laughs> over the counter. Um, so the victims had all taken Tylenol branded acetaminophen capsules that had been laced with potassium cyanide. And as is often the case afterwards, there were several more deaths and subsequent copycat crimes, but we're not going to really get into any of those today. And what's interesting is that 
As per usual, Charlie was right. She doesn't know much about the man who did it because no suspect was ever charged or convicted of the poisoning. So it's good I didn't try and pretend like I knew who did it. Yeah, so one guy, a New Yorker named James William Lewis, was convicted of extortion for sending a letter to Johnson & Johnson that took responsibility for the death. Never trust a man with three names. That's all I'm going to say. John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald. You have no idea how applicable that is to the world of true crime. Like every... John Wayne Gacy. There you go. Just go off the queen. Unabomber. <laughs> the Unabomber. I never thought I'd laugh at somebody saying the Unabomber. Well, I surprise you every day. So he demanded $1 million to stop, uh, to stop killing people with the um, tainted drugs. But the evidence tying him to the actual poisonings never emerged. Um, I'll get more into him later. I think there was a host of issues with him. Um, I also just want to give a casual reminder that neither Charlie nor I are experts on this in any way. And we are going to do our best to honor the victims and not spend as much time on... um, who did this, which obviously we can't because they were never caught. Can so. I describe a tweet to you that I saw yesterday? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. I Maybe I sent it to you or maybe I just thought about it. Sometimes I'm too tired to send it to you, so I just remember it. <laughs> um, but it was like, if I get murdered and a white girl calls it fascinating or skips the episode, I'm going to freak out and haunt her, something like that. This has been me paraphrasing tweets badly. <laughs> This is my favorite little segment we have, <laughs> Charlie paraphrasing tweets. And as as Charlie mentioned, these incidents led to reforms in packaging of over-the-counter medications and substances and federal anti-tampering laws. So the incidents that took place um, began on September 29th, 1982, which is, yes, I know you're all thinking it, the day after my birthday. It's like Boxing Day where it's like also a recognized holiday the day after my birthday. Isn't Boxing Day the day after Christmas? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Boxing Day is the day oh, after Christmas. Oh, you're not saying, it, it, you're saying it's like Boxing Day for your birthday. Yeah. Got it, got it. Well, Sorry. Charlie's caught up, everyone. <laughs> I haven't been outside in so long. <laughs> okay, so on September 29th, 1982... A 12-year-old named Mary Kellerman of Elk Grove Village, Illinois, woke up early with a sore no- a sore throat and a runny nose. COVID. Her pa- her parents gave her a capsule of extra strength. <laughs> God damn it, Charlie. <laughs> her parents gave her a capsule of extra strength Tylenol to help with her symptoms, but unbeknownst to them, the capsule was laced with the highly poisonous potassium cyanide. Mary was dead by around 9.30 a.m. Some sources said 9.49, but pretty much everyone can agree it was right around 9.30 in the morning. What time did you say she took it? It was early in the morning. It's not a precise time because it was like maybe 2 or 3 in the morning. She like woke up her parents not feeling well and they gave... But like maybe like 6 hours or something like that? Yes. So Mary was in seventh grade at the time. She enjoyed horseback riding and was well known in her neighborhood to be very responsible and babysat many local children. Um, I wanted to just include a little bit about each of the victims because, again, Mary was 12. She did absolutely nothing 
except for have a sore throat and a runny nose. Well, aren't in most crimes, they didn't really do anything to deserve to be murdered. Just my opinion. (laughs) Yes, I would agree that that is most often the case. But it's even more heinous that, in my opinion, that it wasn't a targeted crime. It was just, there is no discretion of age, gender, race of any of these people. It's just whoever happened to buy Tylenol. That's so scary. Before we get into anything, I want to ask what you know about cyanide. (sighs) Just cyanide generally? It's a Yeah, what do you know about cyanide? It's poison. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is the like cyanide capsules that spies have in their teeth. You ever heard of that? Yeah, it's super common. So I guess that's the only thing. I can't think of any famous cyanide poisonings or other famous ones or really anything like that. Yeah. So the common fun fact that I think most people share about cyanide I would say it's the first thing that comes to mind for me, but maybe I'm just weird, is that it smells like bitter almonds. And so, like, personally, that was made famous in my mind by Agatha Christie, who uses that in a couple of her, like, where a couple of her books where it's like, and then I noticed my, the teacup on the table smelled like bitter almonds. So that kind of comes back later, and I wanted to make sure other people had the context that I did. (laughs) Thank you for giving that to me as something new to be paranoid about. You are very welcome. You will smell almonds in everything you eat or touch for the next three days. I don't like almonds, so... If I smell almonds Hot at takes all, with Charlie. yeah, listen, my next episode's about why I hate almonds. Yeah, it's got a lot oh of historical context. Oh my god, this is like, though, so okay, this tuned. is an A, hashtag A cab story. When I was in, no, 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 <laughs> when no, I was in no, like 11th no. grade, we're it's not, not doing this a isn't like an, A-cab this story. isn't an Antifa story. This is like low key. But oh, I I went to this. You like, are trying to pull me into your pit. <laughs> no, listen. I went to this event. Um, it was like a volunteer thing. It's not important why. And I was like with my oh, wow, friend. She volunteers, folks. <laughs> not anymore. Um, I was with my friend at the time. <laughs> yeah, after this incident, things really went south. <laughs> um, and we were talking about like milk alternatives. And this, she was like, oh, I like almond milk. And this cop was being like, do you know how much water goes into making a single almond? As I'm telling this story, I think he was talking about avocados and not almonds. So never mind. But almonds do take up a lot of water. So drink oat milk instead. Yeah. And that's the moral of this episode. Anyway, a cab. I... Casual transition from that into um, what potassium cyanide exposure looks like according to the CDC. Oh, you trust them now? About, about cyanide. So within eight hours of exposure, early symptoms include lightheadedness, giddiness, rapid breathing, nausea, vomiting, feeling of neck constriction and suffocation, confusion, restlessness, and anxiety, or as Charlie calls it, a Tuesday. I was going to say that sounds like me on the way to work every day, which is why uh, I quit. That was a reminder to myself. Severe complications tend to emerge as a result of accumulation of fluid in the lungs, and the rapid breathing is progresses into full respiratory, respiratory depression, and severe cyanide poisonings then progress to stupor, coma, 
muscle spasms, convulsion, fixed and dilated pupils, and then death. So for the cases we're talking about today, they're pretty much all in that severe cyanide poisonings category because the amount of cyanide that was laced in a single one of those Tylenol capsules is insanely high. And so there was barely time for them to go through these symptoms. I don't know if you got this in your research at all, but how common is cyanide as a poison these days? It is not super common, but in particular jobs, you interact with it or have access to it. And so most of the time when it's a poisoning, it's pretty obvious once it's identified as cyanide poisoning, who could have possibly come in contact with it. Um, So I don't know, like, number of deaths per year attributed to cyanide poisoning, but... I just feel like you don't hear about it that often. Back to um, the case at hand. So Mary Kellerman was the first victim, just 12 years old. And later that same day, a 27-year-old postal worker named Adam Janis. Um, he was he lived in Arlington Heights, Illinois. He stopped at the grocery store to buy a bottle of extra strength Tylenol on his way home from picking up his two children at preschool. He'd stayed home sick from work that day as a postal worker because he thought he might be coming down with a cold. And so it was a special day that he got to pick up his two kids from preschool. When he got home with the kids, he took the Tylenol And after falling into a coma, he died in the hospital the same day and was initially, they initially believed it to be due to a massive heart attack. But as you can probably guess at this point, it was also due to the potassium cyanide poisoning from the tainted Tylenol. So Adam's, Adam's grieving brother and sister-in-law, 25-year-old Stanley and 19-year-old Teresa Janice, um, who are from Lyle. Are we going to talk about that like problematic age gap or? It was the, it was eight, it was early 80s. I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. I'm just, I just want to say I think that's problematic in a post all too well 10 minute version world. So Stanley and Teresa, regardless of their age, rushed to Adam's home in Arlington Heights to be with their loved ones. So their whole family kind of met together at his apartment and made funeral plans, trying to do everything. And as is often the case when you've lost a family member, both Stanley and Teresa weren't feeling super well. And they saw that there was a bottle or a container of extra strength Tylenol on Adam's counter. So they each took two. Oh, no. That was the appropriate response. (laughs) Damn. That's that's like a like a movie plot twist where like, you know, you you have the dramatic irony and you're screaming at the snow. Yeah. So Stanley died that same day. So we've now lost three of the victims just on September 29th. And Teresa fell into a coma and then died two days later both having inadvertently poisoned themselves with the laced Tylenol. So at this point, they think that they haven't made the connection between Mary Kellerman and Adam Janice's deaths. Mm -hmm. And so they think that this is something specifically wrong with Adam Janice's apartment. So they actually took his whole family into observation at the local hospital because they thought that there might be like carbon uh, monoxide poisoning or, Mm -hmm. you know, some something wrong with the location there since that's where the three deaths had occurred 
Um, well, technically they died at the hospital, but you know what I mean? That was what they had in common as far as the police were concerned. Um, and they did extensive searches of his apartment. And of course they didn't stop to go like, oh my God, there's an open Tylenol thing on the counter because who would think twice about that? As it turns out, a couple of miraculous firefighters are who had that thought. Oh, not the police. Interesting. So over the next few days, there were three more similarly unexplainable deaths. Um, so that same day was we lost 27-year-old Mary Reiner of Winfield, Illinois. The next day took 30-year-old Mary McFarland of Elmburst, Illinois. And the third day took 35-year-old Paula Prince of Chicago. So that was actually on October 1st. I'm not super familiar with the geography of Chicago. How close are these towns to each other? Um, They're all suburbs of Chicago. So they're all within 20 minutes of each other okay. pretty much, maybe 40. But yeah, it's they're all suburbs of Chicago. So Paula Prince was the only one who actually lived in Chicago and died in Chicago despite the fact that these are called the Chicago Tylenol murders because they are oh, most of them are suburbs of Chicago but like for example Adam Janice's Tylenol they believed was bought in Chicago because he went to pick up his kids from preschool and then he came back home and so it's like most of them they they are able to trace back to Chicago for the most part so that's why they're they're called that despite not actually having taken place there. Well, that's what I was wondering is like, did they all get it from the same store or was this guy like all over Chicago we'll running get there. in? Okay, I just... You gotta stay, you gotta stay patient. I have a curious mind. Are you taking notes also? No, I'm doodling. Oh, sorry, I'm not um, interesting enough. But I also, I had to like double check this in... Obviously, I went to many sources, but like this, for some reason, was really, really odd to me. So like I said, there are seven total victims, but of the seven victims, three of them were named Mary. Isn't that, that weird? That is weird. Like I, that's not that common of a name. Well, I was I, maybe thinking, in the, I was maybe like, in the 80s it was. I think I, I know like one person named Mary, but I feel like in if they, it was really popular in the 80s, there would be a lot of people around still named Mary. Yeah. Maybe it's popular in Chicago. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. So Mary Magdalene Reiner and her husband Ed had just welcomed their fourth child into the world less than a week before her death. So she had taken a Tylenol in the hopes of relieving what one source I saw said um, called symptoms of post-birth discomfort. Which I was like, that's putting it lightly, but Oof. you get the idea. She wasn't feeling too hot because she just had a child. Why didn't they give her something at the hospital? Why was my girl taking OTC Tylenol right after she had a baby? It was it was less than a week after, but she was back home. And this is, for some reason, the thing that kind of upset me the most in my research of this case. But her eight-year-old daughter, Michelle was the only witness to her mother's poisoning collapse and then death. Um, and I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine being an eight-year-old kid in that situation. And there's three other kids, including a less than a week old baby. But luckily her husband, Mary's husband, Ed, arrived at the scene shortly after. 
I found this great website where where people I found all these old quotes from people who knew her and this one I liked a lot and I thought you would like they said that Mary is remembered as being quote 100% Irish I love that for her yeah she was an excellent chef. She made corned beef and egg noodles very well. Potatoes. She also loved playing softball, the drums, and bowling. So she she passed away on September 29th, um, just as Adam, Stanley, and the 12-year-old Mary had. Mary McFarland, our third Mary, she was working at the Illinois Bell, which I had to look up because all the Chicago newspapers I read just said it super casually. And I was like, I don't know what that means, which I guess was a a major telephone company back in the day. Oh, yeah. Like Pac Bell. Sure. (laughs) While she was working, she started to feel a really bad headache coming on. So she just stepped into the break room, the back room at her workplace and took a Tylenol and had collapsed within minutes of having taken it. She was a single mother of two sons. She had two boys, Ryan and Bradley, and she was a single mother to them. And she was the victim that I had the hardest time finding information about. And I wondered if that was intentional and they wanted, she wanted some privacy. So I didn't dig too hard after five sources don't give you much information. It's a pretty good indicator that maybe that that victim's family does doesn't want her highlighted that's fair. yeah so she she also she passed on september 30th the next day so we're like just barely over the crest of 24 hours at this point which is just crazy to me and also how how were they supposed to be able to put this together i just these are all in different suburbs all these people just appear to have collapsed and there's no there's no indication necessarily because you don't always tell someone when you're going to take a Tylenol. You just do it. Yeah. You know, so it's not like it's recorded anywhere that I am now taking a Tylenol. Anyway, so we are on to our final victim, Paula Jean Prince. She was a flight attendant for United Airlines. And on the day of her death, she flew from Las Vegas to O'Hare. Um, and then on her way home from O'Hare, she purchased Tylenol. She lived alone, so it's hard. This is kind of speculation, but it appears that she took the Tylenol as she was getting ready for bed. You know, she must have not felt right. Flying from Los Los Angeles or Las Vegas to O'Hare is like that's that's a big day. So for our German listeners, of which there are actually uh, many, <laughs> uh, O'Hare is the Love Chicago that. airport. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Charlie. Shout out to all my Germans out there. Guten Tag. <laughs> so Paula was found in her apartment that next day um, after not reporting to work again. So at this point, early October 1982, like October 1st, 2nd, kind of in there, the connection was finally made to all of these people having taken Tylenol prior to their untimely death. And upon closer investigation, it was noticed that the bottles had that trademark almond smell. So when you open the bottles, it smelled like almonds, which, again, I would be like, that's weird, but still take the Tylenol. Like, I definitely I wouldn't smell that at all because I, mean, I can't smell. And that's why I went ahead and put some cyanide and different things around your house just to see if you could detect it. That's fine. Um, nothing that Robert the dog would ever get near though. So don't worry about that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So 
I think I mentioned this earlier, but at the time, Tylenol was the best-selling non-prescription pain reliever in the United States. Tests were quickly carried out and soon revealed the cyanide present in the capsules. Warnings, this is the craziest part of this whole thing to me. So warnings were issued then via the media and patrols um, warning residents throughout the Chicago metropolitan area to discontinue use of Tylenol products. That's not that crazy, right? But if you think about the fact that they didn't have Twitter. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any of the things that we have now to disseminate information. They aren't getting CNN notices on their phone. Or I'm sure there's like a Tylenol app now, honestly. You know what I mean? So they literally just like had cops going to the street on their like loudspeakers out of their vehicles just being like, don't take Tylenol right now. We'll tell you more about it later, but don't take Tylenol. You know, these days, if they did that, Antifa would start throwing back Tylenol just to show them. What? Never mind. (laughs) I genuinely didn't hear you. But, um, okay. I don't think it'll be funnier if I repeat it. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Okay, so it wasn't funny to start with. Got it. To each their own. Charlize Theron. So... (laughs) Anyway, this is how they got the information out. They literally just drove through all the suburbs of Chicago, up and down the streets of Chicago, just using police loudspeakers to say, don't take Tylenol. We can't just, all we know is that there's cyanide and Tylenol. Don't take it. At this point, my notes are out of order. One second, please hold. Why are they out of order? Um, I may or may not have written this episode when I was having an episode if you know what i mean <laughs> we'll call it the episode 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 i'm really frustrated because a vital piece of information that i could have sworn was right here in my notes is not anymore do you remember it off the top of my head um so what do you guys think about this omicron omicron variant no one knows how to say it omicron i heard omicron. biden say it like four different ways my boys at pod save america said it a bunch of different ways no one knows how to say it Okay, I can't find it, but I think if my memory serves, what they were able to determine based on the packages that they found in each of the victims' homes or in the Janice family's case, the one package, is that they were produced, these different packages were produced in two different factories, Mm -hmm. one of which was in Texas and one of which was in Pennsylvania. Again, this is from memory. I know one was in Texas, and I really think the other one was Pennsylvania, but... Don't quote me on that. If it makes you feel better, a lot of the stuff I say in my episodes uh, is probably wrong because it's just stuff I kind of remember. Yeah, (laughs) perfect. I just, again, I want to do justice to the victims and their families. I I know that it's a sensitive subject for obvious reasons. You get it. You're a good person. I'm a good person. I know. I was going to go there, but alas <laughs> so at this point based on that information which again is missing from my notes the police are hypothesizing that someone must have taken the bottles off of the shelves in local stores in the chicago area placed potassium cyanide in some of the capsules and placed the packages back on the store shelves to be purchased by unknowing customers i i just want to take a moment So it was determined, I think you asked this earlier, that they were purchased at different grocery stores. One was purchased at like a gas station. They were purchased at different grocery stores. And not all of the Tylenol capsules in the tainted bottles were laced. 
So you could have taken two or three out of that bottle before actually getting a cyanide one. That's so... I was thinking this before, but knowing that, it's so interesting how quickly that people died. Because I've definitely, like, you know, bought Advil before and haven't taken it for two weeks or whatever, you know, or it's in the back of your cabinet. So it's kind of crazy that yeah. it took it that fast. Yeah. I mean, and not all of them took it the day that it was purchased. But yeah, especially like Adam, Jan- the postal worker, Adam Janice, his story of like stopping on his way home from picking up his two kids at preschool to get Tylenol, which like that's an that's already an experience. Stopping at the grocery store when you have two preschool age children in your car just to get Tylenol, like he needed that shit. He needed cocaine probably, which was really easy to get in the 80s. That's the history side of this podcast. Thanks. <laughs> the cocaine 80s, our next episode. Oh, I just found the paragraph I thought was missing everyone. <laughs> The lost paragraph has been discovered. (laughs) Okay, so it was exactly where I thought it was. I just scrolled too hard, you know? The tainted capsules were found to have been manufactured at two different locations in Pennsylvania and in Texas. Crushed it. Hey, Um, hey, hey, you've never been wrong. That's... You're so right. If you don't remember, that's the name of the podcast. I know you were having some trouble with that earlier. I remember now. So again, that suggests that the products were tampered with after being put on store shelves for sale because, you know, your mind goes to an employee of a store who had access to it between it being delivered and it going on the shelves. But because these were different grocery stores... From different different vendors, different drivers, different store workers, there was didn't appear to be a common thread except for that they were in Chicago. And it also seems unlikely that whoever did I this would have personally wouldn't assume it was a service worker because I have a lot of respect for them. I would assume it was maybe a rich person who didn't want to pay their taxes. Um, and that's a theory. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just piecing it together here. <laughs> It was Elon Musk, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> In his lab, just cooking shit up, baby. In Minecraft. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so I think that it's unlikely, though, that whoever did this purchased the Tylenol because that would be and then like took it a home waste of and money. Yeah, that would- added it and then brought it back and put it on the shelves. Well, that would just be a way for people to track who had purchased Tylenol from those places also, which I'm sure they were doing everything in their power to track to try to figure out not only maybe who did it, but also to warn those people. And so I, what it sounds like based on the investigation was that this person stole Tylenol, like pocketed off the shelves and then laced it and then which is a crime by the way you know pickpocketed and then put pocketed where they like then pulled it out of their jacket and put it back on the shelf which is just like the amount well, of strategy so is it like a is cyanide like a powder generally yeah so would you have to like kind of surgically open the capsule and pour a little cyanide in and then like reseal it? Like what's the mechanism? Yeah, so gosh, she keeps skipping ahead, you guys. But oh, that might just be because this is a poorly created <laughs> outline. <laughs> 
So yes, capsules are actually a lot easier to tamper with for that reason because you can open and put them back together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this whole fiasco is what incentivized the creation of the caplet, which I guess is like what we have now, which is kind of a a half capsule, half tablet. Okay. Um, All I'm saying, Advil liquid gels are clear so I can look right through it and see that no one put cyanide in it. So that's all I'm saying. What if someone injected it? Tylenol is for the birds. What if someone injected it? That's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> free drugs. I mean, injected something poisonous into your liquid Advil tablet. Um. Also, I don't think like liquid tablets were a thing in the 80s but i might be wrong no they feel like a really modern technology i don't remember having those growing up but that might have been because we were you know too poor for liquid gels (laughs) (laughs) and now you're just balling you can have all the liquid aleve you want aleve what am i a (laughs) hundred what did you say i thought you said aleve quick taxonomy of painkillers okay aleve is for like arthritis it's advertised during wheel of fortune don't need it never taken it excedrin i like for certain kinds of headaches um but the caffeine can make me a little crazy sometimes advil liquid gels top of the list all excedrin has caffeine the good ones do though okay Am I missing any? All I heard was Aleve and Excedrin. What other ones did you have? Aleve, Excedrin. Ibuprofen, Advil liquid gels. Generics are fine if that's what you have access to. Great. Work fast. I'm, very um, effective. But you haven't They're considered green. that I'm allergic to Ibuprofen. So Yeah, but that's not really like my issue specifically. <laughs> Oh, you know what else I like for years didn't take my doll? I think just because my family was like cheap about weird stuff. And then I have this really distinct memory of having really bad cramps at school one day in high school. Gross gross yeah and my friend gave me a mydol and i never had one before and i didn't drink coffee at the time so i was like i i was on coke i felt so crazy because i just the caffeine i felt better and then we played current events in my government class and i like crushed and was like being crazy and acting really erratic because i hadn't had a mydol before Um, I heard recently from a historian that cocaine was very readily available in the 80s. So anywho, oh, what about just like off-brand naproxen? I like naproxen. Naproxen? I don't know what that is. Some straight edge. Okay, Miss Taxonomy of (laughs) Painkillers. I probably said it wrong, honestly. I don't know. I get the like signature like the Safeway signature branded naproxen so speaking of poor well I don't really want to look okay. it up so listener let us know if Let's you know get- <laughs> what's your favorite over-the-counter Let's- painkiller let us know we're getting back on track now According to Time magazine when tested these capsules the lace Tylenol capsules, had proved to be laced with potassium cyanide at a level toxic enough to provide thousands of fatal doses per capsule. So that's why there's like no time for these poor victims to even identify a symptom because literally a single one of those capsules had enough cyanide to kill thousands of people. 
which is like the definition of overkill. I is cyanide cheap? Was he just like ah, throw it all in? I don't know anything about the eighties. You're supposed to be the historian. How much did cyanide cost in nineteen eighty two? Well, with inflation these days, I'll tell you. I bet it's a <laughs> lot more expensive now. God, I went to Safeway the other day, which is a big mistake. And I know inflation's on the news and all that. I usually don't shop at Safeway, but I really felt the squeeze at Safeway. I went in for like rice cakes and like, I don't even know, probably something else more important than that, but I just remember the rice cake. It was like 60 bucks. <laughs> for rice cakes? <laughs> I just bought 10 bags of rice cakes and it's usually a lot less than that. I like that you continue to provide comic relief as I talk about something really heavy and you're like, let's go over my grocery list for a moment. It's, it's 10 not bags even of rice comedy. Cakes. It's okay. just me being like, what did I buy at the store recently? Okay, so in addition to the five bottles that led to the seven victims' deaths, again, the Janus family, um, a few other contaminated bottles were later discovered in the Chicago area, but not many. So the likelihood that this many people, because like you said, like, I'll buy pain reliever when I run out, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to use it that day or even that week. Like, you know, who knows when I'm going to hurt myself next. Sometimes I just throw it in the bag at Safeway so that they don't think I just came to get rice cakes. <laughs> so um, they did, they pulled so much Tylenol off the shelves. In an effort to reassure the public, I'm getting, Johnson & Johnson, they're actually hugely praised for how they handled this situation. Um, so pretty much it might have just been a big PR stunt. Who knows? Corporations are evil. Well, I'll tell you, their vaccine doesn't work very well. Yeah, check for those clots, folks. Um, so Johnson & Johnson... <laughs> I got her. I got a laugh out of her. Don't expect it to happen again. <laughs> Johnson & Johnson distributed warnings to hospitals and distributors and halted all all Tylenol production and advertising. Who cares? Don't need it. And so after this, there were other incidents where other various poisons, not just cyanide, were being added to Tylenol bottles. So like I said, there was a... Arsenic. It's like sick nine. So I, I oh, should have looked up how to pronounce this. Oh, is there an R in it? Again, when well, I there's type a, this... There's a mountain goat song about strychnine is the only reason I know that. Okay, so there was a case in California where multiple bottles of Tylenol had strychnine added to them. Do you think that's what the song is about? Uh, maybe. I don't listen to them ever slash nearly as often as you. Tough. So after that incident, specifically the strychnine in the bottles in California, that is when... There was a national recall of Tylenol products that was issued on October 5th, 1982. So at that point in time, there was an estimated 31 million bottles in circulation with a retail value of over $100 million, which in 2020 was equivalent to $268 million inflation. Are you asking me to feel bad for Big Pharma? I'm just putting into context what Johnson & Johnson did as a response to one Horrible, sadistic human beings' actions. You know what they did in response to a global pandemic? 
They made a pretty bad, <laughs> pretty bad vaccine. At least they made a vaccine. I, it's not their best work. So the company was advertised in the national media for individuals not, th- so they advertised in national media for individuals not to consume any of their products that con- contained acetaminophen after it was determined that only these capsules were the ones that had been tampered with, which I also think is really weird. Like, was this like a vendetta against acetaminophen? That was, it was me. <laughs> I kind of get because I, I'm allergic to ibuprofen because the the red coating outside of acetaminophen, that's what I'm allergic to. So maybe it was somebody like me who Why don't was, you take liquid gels? I can. But at this point, I just kind of have a... I thought that it was all ibuprofen. And what I learned later was that it's actually the red coating. And so now I just like... It's yeah, not a part of my life. Yeah, the red coating sucks. Why would you take that kind? It tastes bad. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So Johnson & Johnson also offered to exchange all Tylenol ca- capsules that were already purchased by the public for solid tablets. So not only did they lose that $100 million worth of potential revenue, but they also then gave free product away to the people who had purchased it to swap out with tablets that they knew were safe. I saw <laughs> someone reacting to a documentary that was about the heir to the johnson and johnson fortune and he was gonna be like one of the richest people in the world um so i just have like a really hard time sympathizing with johnson and johnson okay i'm not asking you to sympathize i'm i'm just saying this for context you just feel like a j and j apologist to me At the time, before the crisis, Tylenol controlled more than 35% of the -the over-the-counter pain reliever market. This plummeted to less than 8% in only two weeks after the murders. So from 35 to 8%. Johnson & Johnson also stepped up and worked with FDA officials to introduce new tamper-proof packaging, including foil seals and other features that made it obvious to a consumer if foul play was involved. This, as we now know, became an industry standard. Um, And in 1983, the following year, Congress passed... See, I talked about Congress this time. (laughs) Um, Congress passed what was called... Oh, Congress passed something? Must have been a while ago. They passed, savage. <laughs> they passed what what they called the Tylenol Bill, which made it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products. So before 1983, it was not illegal to tamper with consumer products. So that was in 1983. And in 1989, the FDA established, because the FDA apparently works on a six-year delay, they mm-hmm. established federal guidelines for manufacturers to make all products tamper-proof. So I skipped ahead because that was relevant and I'm trying to make Charlie happy. She's doodling so hard. I feel like she's I'm, probably I'm me no, taking like, Tylenol. Don't you remember in like... 11th grade when all your teachers were like it's okay to doodle because it means you're thinking um no I don't remember anything that happened to me prior to this exact moment so well trick question it helps me listen because um I have a lot of different mental illnesses (laughs) you're welcome to doodle I'm sorry for calling you out twice now it's okay I'll just feel really scrutinized now forever (laughs) (laughs) that's not new I mentioned earlier that there were some firefighters that deserve some credit here. And so there were two firefighters, Richard Keyworth of Elk Grove Village and Lieutenant Philip Capitelli of Arlington Heights. And I think that it's important that they get their 
they get their flowers here. They were the first to develop the theory that the Tylenol capsules were responsible. The firefighters so, did? Yes. Interesting. So Richard Keyworth is who noticed that there was some, a cu- like there was a fresh thing of Tylenol that had just only was missing maybe a couple of capsules. And he brought it to the attention of the his lieutenant at the time. And his lieutenant was kind of like, um, that doesn't sound very real. I'm not like, I don't know about that. And so, like I said, Richard, he he was from Elk Grove Village, which as a reminder is where Mary, the, the 12-year-old Mary, Mary Kellerman had lived. And so her death kind of stood out as this outlier. She was the only child, very unexplainable to most people. And then this lieutenant from Arlington Heights, which is where the Janice family was when they passed away, the two of them together who were able to figure this out. And so Philip, the lieutenant, Lieutenant Philip Capitelli, again, just a just a fabulous name. Shout out Italians. Yeah, quick shout out to all my Italian brethren. Um... <laughs> But he he was able to determine that exactly six capsules were missing from the Tylenol bottle at the Janice house, which two were taken by Adam, two were taken by Stanley, and two were taken by Stanley's wife, Teresa. So they were able to together figure this out. And they passed along their hunch. They were ignored by everyone they tried to talk to. And everyone was like, yeah, the Tylenol did it, guys. Like, they just were made fun of. And they were like, this is the only thread. Like, you know, you're grasping at straws. What is one thing that's in common with these deaths? And so they took it to Dr. Thomas Kim, who was the chief of critical care at Northwest Community um, Hospital. Shout out frontline workers. Yes, he handled the deaths of the Janice family, all three of them. And without the work of Dr. Thomas Kim, Richard Keyworth, and Lieutenant Philip Philip Capitelli, they never would have linked the deaths of Mary Kellerman and the Janice family. And more people would have absolutely died. So... Quick shout out to my my boys, uh, my boys in red, uh, <laughs> the two firefighters and um, that doctor. So I just want to get a little bit into the investigation, but I don't I don't expect to hold your attention for too much longer. You're I'm, doing great. I'm focused. <laughs> I don't know why you're you're uh, I'm trying not to interrupt a bunch. Well, I yeah, I just feel like you've been quiet, which is weird and out of character for you. A lot of the thoughts I have aren't um, appropriate. <laughs> I was going to say strictly <laughs> relevant. Well, because here's, okay, here's the thing. My episodes are like, so far at least, have been like dead old white dudes, which are like fine to joke about for the most part. But I don't yeah. want to be like super disrespectful because it's like obviously really sad for these people's families so then like you know i don't know if a twilight thought is like relevant to this (laughs) just no it's absolutely not relevant that's okay so we agree let's talk a little bit about the investigation um we can make fun we can make fun of dumb uh James William Lewis, who... Three names, uh, red flag. Yeah, he's the same guy I talked about before, so... (laughs) I really thought I did something there. (laughs) So, again, in the initial investigations, a tax consultant named James William Lewis... Yes, he has three names. Yes, he is the same person. (laughs) He was accused of sending a letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding $1 million to stop the signing. Which is a crime. They don't want to hear from you. It's a crime to contact a corporation. Yes, that's true. Johnson or Johnson. (laughs) 
he demanded one million dollars to allegedly to stop the cyanide induced murders lewis was then arrested tried and convicted of extortion thereby sentenced to 20 years in prison he was released in 1995 after serving only 12 or 13 years i think it was closer to 13 but again some sources said so one, this dude's loose on the, the streets yeah dude but i what i think is just like crazy is that he responded so quickly to your dm he- <laughs> hey you up <laughs> he saw this tragedy of these human these people in his like i mean i guess he was in new york and they were in chicago but like people on his coast near him and dying unexplainedly and he was like now's my chance to make a million dollars i'm gonna write a letter and pretend to be the like how was that a good idea to him wait he didn't do it he didn't kill he didn't lace the cyanide he just wrote a letter trying to bribe (laughs) or trying to extort johnson and johnson and get a million dollars from them wow i was joking when i was being like oh his biggest crime was writing a letter but literally damn that's so stupid yeah he literally just wrote a letter being like i'm causing the murders give me a million dollars he and then he got convicted of extortion and there was never anything to tie him back and he was like yeah well i just wanted okay. the money why but- does everyone before like <laughs> i don't know 2011 have like worms for brains just being honest everyone still has worms i know for brains. i was gonna say that but then i was like the last couple years have really shown that i don't know a certain percentage of the population the u.s mostly yeah i mean all of our listeners don't have worms for brains no, but no, no. pretty you much couldn't everyone else. follow the complex inner working <laughs> <of> this <laughs> My twisted mind. (laughs) So during the trial, attorneys for Lewis, this is James William Lewis, claimed that he... Three names, red flag. That he intended only to focus the attention of the authorities on his wife's former employer. His wife used to work for Tylenol, evidently, or Johnson & Johnson, I mean. And so he had some issues about the way that she was treated during her work there. And so this was his way of exacting revenge. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't the killing people through Tylenol tablets tablets that he decided to do. It was just the write the letter and get a million dollars from them claiming to kill people but not actually killing people. Just to send the investigators on a wild goose chase instead of focusing on who actually did this. There um, we go again. A- Men not using their frontal lobes. So WCVB Channel 5 of Boston report so we've got chicago new york and boston now i wish i could do a boston accent so bad khakis yeah that's i mean yeah that's it that's it i in high school i used to be able to do accents kind of and i've really lost it it sounds like a bad idea I, no, not like anything problematic. <laughs> like I could do like a really good like British. I could do like a northern and like a southern British accent, and I could do like a pretty good like Irish. And now I can do like only southern, not can southern England, like southern United States, which isn't that impressive. Can we hear it? I don't know. <laughs> She's feeling bashful, folks. <laughs> I'm too shy. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Channel Five. WCVB of Boston, they reported that court documents released in early 2009 show that the Department of Justice investigators concluded 
Lewis was responsible for the poisonings, despite the fact that they didn't have enough evidence to charge him. As time went on, so this was, again, this was 30 years after these murders happened that all of a sudden this Boston News case was like, yeah, well... (laughs) you know, Department of Justice decided it was him, but then they just like couldn't charge him. There's no basis for this. Going back through documents from the investigators and every statement ever released, like there's no, at no point did they say that this guy had did it. Actually, they were trying really hard to make it look like, like to prove that he had done it, but there was never anything even close to showing. I just, So in January 2010, both Lewis and his wife, again, 30 years later, submitted DNA. Where was I in January 2010? That's what the listeners really want to (laughs) know. They both submitted DNA samples and fingerprints to the authorities. And his statement at the time when he did this was, if the FBI plays it fair, I have nothing to worry about, which well, is like, okay, what? you think the FBI is going to play it fair? That's not yeah, their job. Yeah, when has the FBI ever played it fair, dude? Like The only people uh, who are more corrupt than the FBI are the CIA. That is the truest thing you heard you've it ever here said. first. The only other thing I that this is where things get a little unhinged in my report. But basically, um my report, like I wrote a report for school. <laughs> He continues to deny all responsibility for the poisonings and the Chicago Police Department have made statements to the effect that there is absolutely no evidence tying him to the actual poisonings and that it appears, for all we know, that he was just simply someone trying to take advantage of a really messed up situation. Which still, not a great dude. Not a great dude. But not a murderer, I don't think. You can draw your own conclusions, though. Yeah. So later, a second man, Roger Arnold, was identified and investigated and then cleared of the killings. He had a nervous breakdown due to media attention. Same. Dude, yeah. (laughs) Relatable. Which also, like, what... What constitutes a nervous breakdown? I know. I feel like I, I feel always like that's heard a general that, term. I always heard that term like growing up and I never thought about it really until there's this one song where they he says, Can you not call it a nervous breakdown? My nervous system breaking down. And I really thought about that on the bus a long time one day. Well, is that what a nervous breakdown is? But then I'm like, I've probably had one. Something that's occurring to me right now is that each new episode is... It's less about like one person trying to prove the other one wrong. And it's more just like one person trying actively to derail what the (laughs) other one is saying. And that's absolutely what I was doing in the vice president's episode. And that's absolutely what you're doing right now. I thought that was the MO. No, I just, I've just now understood the point of our podcast. Well, I don't know if you read the description that I wrote, but. (laughs) I did. And I take offense to something you said in it. Good. I think well, you said like Tara's the creep or something like that. And no, I was like, okay. that's rude. So, okay. So I think I put, I forgot now, but I put something like the hosts try with little success to teach each other. And that's like the MO is like, you have to make, we are making it as difficult as possible for the other one. We're being willfully ignorant is the <laughs> the idea. I didn't say you were a creep. I said, I said you were a real know-it-all which oh yeah which i can switch it to me because oh my god i totally forgot i wanted this is me branding the show i think our convention should be whoever is like leading that episode is the know-it-all for that week okay i'm the know-it-all then so why don't you keep it down 
this week, Tara is going to be a know-it-all about Tylenol murders because she's a real creep like that. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Roger Arnold, he was identified as a possible subject, investigated and cleared. He did the following summer, the summer of 1983, shot and killed a man named John Stanisha. Um, But he was an unrelated man who he mistook for a bar owner that he blamed for his nervous breakdown. Dude, Um, that's like, like obviously like murdering someone is awful by itself. Don't like be sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But again, he clearly had some mental health issues that were not being properly addressed in the 80s. Not to excuse, not to excuse anything he's done. I absolutely feel horrible for John Stanisha's family. Um, but I just, yeah, he was unhinged. Lack of social services is the root of a lot of crimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one woman was briefly a suspect, and that's always interesting because there are very few female killers. But poisoning is the number one way that women kill. <laughs> the the National to, Survey you know, of Women Census. <laughs> no, but actually, the most common way for a woman to commit murder is through poisoning but a woman named uh, actually if you look at the statistics of like there's i found this website if i do remember it we can link it in the show notes i'm not gonna link it in the show notes (laughs) why is that funny why not it's an interesting website where you can where you can see like by most common types of crimes committed by women by men um like income by weight by By like all sorts of things (laughs) it's interesting that's terrible anyway Lori dan um who poisoned and shot a number of people in may 1988 she went on a rampage in and around uh winica winica yeah is that Uh, in illinois Illinois. okay yeah um she was briefly considered a suspect but no direct connection was found i think it was just one of those things where they were like she's crazy and she's in illinois maybe she did it um and she did poison some people but there again no connection was found so one of my favorite albums of all time is called illinois um by oh god i'm so insecure saying his name (laughs) Sufjan Stevens. I I still don't completely know how to say it, to be honest with you. Yeah, Cat Stevens. Got it. No, 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 no. Um, but and this is like I this is like front to back amazing. Um, and it's about all this different stuff in the history of Illinois. So I wonder if that's yeah. In- you've made me listen to that album so <laughs> I know. many times. But I wonder <laughs> if part of this is in there because he makes a lot of subtle references to stuff in Illinois history, like the song J- John Wayne Gacy jr is about Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you probably Mm -hmm. haven't heard of it this like this guy who's troubled so um you need to go listen to that album well i was gonna say i'll put put a follow-up when i inevitably have to do a corrections corner at the end of this okay rude for something i said so also i totally forgot when you mentioned this earlier but the fbi even requested dna samples from the unabomber um speaking of names i'm self-conscious to pronounce ted kaczynski Kaczynski. yeah um but he had obviously terrorized that same area just a couple of years earlier and he denied any involvement with this case um which he was one of the people that when he was caught was like yeah he would have like bragged about it yeah he wanted yeah and so it seems unlikely that there was any correlation there and none of his dna panned out in the way that they'd they'd hoped 
unfortunately, there have not, like, none of the new leads have ever worked out, and the investigation continues. So when the 25th anniversary of the crime just a few years ago happened, all of a sudden there was just renewed public interest. You know, the Chicago Times uh, wrote an article honoring the victims' families. And so everyone was just kind of reminded of the fact that this had happened. And so there is a new task force um, that has been put together, but it seems unlikely at this point, unfortunately, that they're going to be able to find or prove anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, know how you'd find evidence. I mean, because it's not like a murder where it's like, oh, they because they didn't know him, probably, you know, it was such a random thing. And I doubt there's still like surveillance video or anything. Yeah. Maybe they could get like a psychic. That is always the police's first stop, actually. Um, Should be. So I said that I wasn't going to say anything about the copycat crimes. I but think I'll you just, should. Like, just real quick, um, in the following years, there were three more deaths that occurred from tampered gelatin capsules. So a woman died in Yonkers, New York, after ingesting extra-strength Tylenol capsules laced with cyanide, unrelated, um, as far as the police are concerned. Well, if they never mm, caught the guy, it could have been the same one. Oh, here is... Yeah, wait, never mind. I was going to say, here's a brand that you didn't include in your taxonomy, but you did, Wrong. so I take it back. <laughs> Um, Excedrin mm-hmm. capsules, yeah, Excedrin capsules in Washington State were tampered with, which resulted in the deaths of Susan Snow and Bruce Nickel um, from cyanide poisoning, and the eventual arrest and conviction of drumroll, please, Bruce Nickel's wife, <gasps> Stella, Stella Nickel, for her intentional actions and the crimes connected to those two murders. So, from what they could tell, it appeared that she believed. Susan and Bruce were having an affair, which is like, so how did she know they were both going to take an Excedrin? Like, I got a lot of questions about that. Maybe it's a different episode. Maybe she like, maybe she gave them something to give them a headache. Maybe she was playing really loud. um, Imagine Dragons music so that they would get a headache. (laughs) (laughs) And flashing bright lights in their face. Yeah, she took them both to. And then she was like, want an Excedrin? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe she, like, didn't let them have any water so that they got a dehydration headache. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, however she did it, she was caught um, for her for her involvement in both of their deaths. From what I could tell, it didn't appear that the woman in Yonkers had any one tied to hers. But they also made a statement saying that it was not related to the Chicago I don't feel poisoning. like they could so, know that, though. I mean, yeah. Who who knows? The police are doing their own thing. What is that exactly? Um, so that same year, Procter & Gamble's in Capron was recalled after a spiking hoax in Chicago and Detroit that resulted in um, a precipitous sales drop and a withdrawal of the pain reliever from the market. So that's why I didn't know how to pronounce it. It no longer was on the market after a weird... Oh, at all? Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, that I don't think. Maybe it's still sold now, but like there was definitely a, an entire period of mm-hmm. time where it was not sold. I haven't heard of it. Which I thought was interesting because it was a hoax. Like Tylenol, because Johnson and Johnson responded so quickly and appropriately, um, we get God, it. You love, love J and I'm a Pfizer freak myself. They're still like they're still in it. Like Tylenol is still, despite Charlie's ranking system, they're still a major player in the pain reliever game. Whereas, like, they actually. 
their capsules actually resulted in seven deaths, Dude, not directly their why, fault, obviously. Okay, but Tylenol versus this was just a any, hoax. Tylenol doesn't do anything. You're better off like just going to bed. Everyone's bodies are different. I don't know anyone who likes Tylenol except babies. It's <laughs> nine out of ten babies like Tylenol because they have baby Tylenol. You know. <laughs> The only time I've ever yeah, taken Tylenol was after I had, like, major surgery, and they were like, take this, like, fat-ass Tylenol and this fat-ass Advil together. And I was like, okay, whatever. What do you know? Just the hoax. Just the claim that there was, that they were spiked, that there were in Capron, um that was spiked in Chicago and Detroit resulted in such a decrease in sales that Procter and Gamble took it entirely off the market, which is just crazy to me that like they instead of being like this is not true, this is a healthy product, they were just like, well, I guess we gotta give up on that. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense though, because if it was like relatively new and it had like that early on, then no one's gonna want to take that, right? That's like that's bad branding. Yeah. Where I'm at right now in my um in my outline is where I just like. Of that sentence I just read, two words are spelled right. And luckily, I just am, can understand what I wasn't like drunk. I just want to, I just was on one. Um, but anyway, this is a straight edge podcast. In na- 1986, um, a University of Texas student, Kenneth Farrison, uh, I should have looked up how to pronounce it. He was found dead in his apartment after succumbing to cyanide poisoning. Um, and they were able to determine that this was due to um, tampered anison tablets, ca- capsules. Tampered anison capsules. Anison? Yeah. Maybe that's misspelled. Anison is what it's called when aspirin and caffeine are combined. Boom. Isn't it aspirin? I didn't include aspirin in my taxonomy. I looked up anison and it says... Um, the the brand name of aspirin and caffeine together is anison. I've never so. taken aspirin. That's not true. How do you know? No, I don't <laughs> think I have because why would I buy aspirin to begin with? But it's not something you buy. It's something that like the school nurse gives you. Your school had a nurse? Okay, bougie. <laughs> she was a volunteer. <laughs> what my school said was um do you want to call your mom to pick you up and what did you tell him i said i don't have a mom why would you bring that up <laughs> and then i sued the school for emotional damages so we're talking about kenneth are we kenneth Farizm. okay um the university of texas student ut uh, austin so he he died as a result of cyanide that was found in tampered anison caps Quick content warning here. We are going to be talking about suicide briefly. So if that is a topic that is upsetting to you, please go ahead and skip ahead uh, about two minutes. Capsules in his um, apartment. So his death was ruled a homicide um, on May 30th, 1986. Less than a month after that, um, the Associated Press reported that the Travis County Medical Examiner had later ruled his death as suicide. He worked at a lab where he had access to cyanide. And so it appears that he 
lace the capsules himself which is an incredibly sad story that's really sad and also like i wonder if he like wanted it to look like a murder yeah because he could have just taken the cyanide directly yeah but he tampered with the pills instead i had the same thought i don't i don't Not know. to get into like sad psychology that much but i feel like that makes sense for like a man because like you know they're so socialized to like not ask for help so maybe it felt like less like it would leave like less shame for his family or something which is just even sadder i'll probably cut that that's too sad well it's sad but true unfortunately men it's okay to ask for help we have 10 percent male listeners and we love you can we put the suicide hotline number in the show notes i'll give them free promo if you need help there are always people who are gonna listen we're, we're wrapping up we're wrapping up everyone before i burst into tears i have a um, segment though too okay i'm almost i'm almost done thank you all for sticking with me namely charlie this is not gonna be our sh- this is not that long don't worry our last episode was over two hours this and i edited out like a full of, 40 minutes <laughs> the longest of my episodes which are human length so anyway as charlie mentioned how we started we're full circle this case obviously inspired big changes in the pharmaceutical food and consumer product industries um, and helped to develop tamper resistant packaging such as induction seals and improved quality control methods and like i said it actually ensured that product tampering became a federal crime this also I just like, I want you to think about that. The next time that you are fighting with a child lock on your pill container or you're annoyed by all the the fluff and trying to peel off the foil and it's so annoying, remember that all of those things are truly there for your safety. And if these things had been in place prior to this, this likely wouldn't have happened. I always knew that because my parents told me about this when I was way too young to know about it. That's you about literally everything. Literally, Um, my, my mom was like, you know why there's safety seals? A bunch of people died because they were poisoned. You want to hear about the Golden State Killer? And I was like, Mom, I'm six. <laughs> and that's why your mom and I get along. Um, Shout out, Mom. The new- she doesn't know about this podcast, so. <laughs> I'll text it to her. Um, okay, the new- quick poll of just you. Housekeeping. Okay, I have us listed as a history podcast, which isn't true. But I was insecure to put us as a comedy podcast because what if it's not funny? We're definitely a comedy podcast. But what if it's not funny and everyone's like, this isn't a comedy? If you put it in history, people expect our history to be accurate. That's what I was worried about. If you put it in comedy, then it's like, we can say whatever we want. Not's not true. You can get canceled. I heard a lot of comedians talk about that. I highly recommend that we make it comedy. Let me just finish, please. I'm making a note. I'm making a note. Comedy... So you are writing things down. You're not just doodling. I drew a ty- <laughs> look. I drew a Tylenol. Oh my! And it's got safety seals. Hell yeah! Thanks FDA. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> so the new product tampering laws resulted in the conviction of Stella Nichols in that Excedrin tampering case. And so she was sentenced to 90 years in prison. So this case also prompted the pharmaceutical industry to move away from capsules. I mentioned this earlier because they're easier to contaminate. Shout out liquid gels. Because they're easier to contaminate. And this led to the eventual replacement of a caplet, which is a tablet made in the shape of a capsule, as a new drug delivery form with the addition of tamper evidence safety seals to bottles, blah, blah, blah. While these tragic deaths can obviously not be undone, they did 
did inspire a series of important moves to make over-the-counter medications safer for hundreds of millions of people who buy them every year, including you and me, and I would assume the majority of our listeners. Shout out Advil, you got me through college. Their deaths were, though senseless, um, they did inspire some good in the world. So yeah, it's like, it's obviously really sad, but it does like, it makes their death not in vain, I guess, to actually pass something. Not to bring any current events into things, but that is not always the case, sadly. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you all Wait, so much for listening. Wait, we're not done. We're not done. I have a segment. Oh, I forgot about your segment. Okay. okay. I made a theme song for our segment. I don't know if I can play it so you can hear it. Let me see. It's okay. I'll listen to it when you do the editing. Answers. Only. Okay. So, the name of this segment, it's kind of a catch-all, is Wrong Answers Only. Okay. The This segment you know, it is. I'm gonna be good at this. Listener fan mail. It's advice. It's discussion questions. It's whatever <laughs> we need an answer to. Three to five sentence answers. <laughs> so what I have for you today, I did write a discussion question, but it's gonna make you really mad. So we're not gonna do that. Um, but I did want to read you our first piece of fan mail that we received. Are you familiar with Sub Pop Records? of now they're they're a pretty famous record label have you heard of the strokes the shins iron and wine i have heard of all of those people i was gonna say it sounds familiar but i couldn't name people pretty big i think they're like seattle based pretty cool indie record label they're london based so oh but their headquarters are in seattle that's what i said (laughs) The co-founder of Sub Pop Records is named Megan Jasper, and she actually sent us an email a couple weeks back. We love a woman who is... Yes, women supporting other women. So Uh I'm going to go ahead and read you guys this email um, from Megan, and I want to note, I'll note when there's punctuation. So just know that for this first part, (laughs) there's no punctuation in spaces, not where you'd expect. Okay. Hello, my name is Megan. Is, that's basically just what my outline was, though, to be fair. <laughs> Hello, my name is Megan Jasper, who I, you and I know, sub pop. Mm-hmm. I handle all business proposals. They spelled business wrong. Uh, and inquiries <laughs> for sub pop records as the co-founder. So I want to note there's been no punctuation so far, just for everyone keeping track at home. And I like that mm-hmm. she said she was the co-founder as if I wouldn't know. Come on, yeah. Megan. Our A&R reviewed over all your music content, and we definitely think you have the potential reach the next level of your career. Now, here's where we reach our first punctuation, and it's an exclamation point. No Space Sub Pop Records would like to offer you a marketing space slash capital distribution publishing deals so they would like to offer us a marketing distribution publishing deals so there might be more than one i'm not really clear it's a deals what's not to understand period we offer special services with our deals such from graphics designs to professional materials so the thing is we don't really need a graphic designer because i think our logo is really good but like i appreciate the offer we also have like two on lock. You've got one and I've got one like as friends. Professional so materials. We got that. Obviously, this is a very professional. Uh, have you met me? Material. Yeah. This will help improve your overall brand value working with a distinguished international label. 
That I don't necessarily agree with because I think we already have like a pretty good brand value. Now here's the catch. And again, there hasn't been any punctuation since I last noted. There is a small fee of $300 for this to take place, which will state mm. the offer was unsolicited. We are located in Seattle, Washington, something I knew, but you didn't. So I'm glad they clarified, period. Should you take the deal, your deposit fee will be refunded back space space period if you're interested please inform us now so we may proceed and we will proceed with other vital information and what payment method do you use question mark yours <laughs> sincerely megan jasper no space comma no space co-founder of sub pop records and then on a new line in a completely different font sub pop record <laughs> label and i also want to note that multiple times sub pop is presented as both one word and two different words. So I'm kind of unclear on the convention there. But um, so Megan, we actually are fine on branding and we don't really need like the promo, but thank you for being a fan. Thanks for listening. I appreciate the shout out. And thank you for being so professional in your email. That's what really counts. I think it definitely took her a lot of time because there was like multiple indents between every like phrase. So I think she took a lot of care. It's almost like like a poem. I could hear it. It, it was like a T.S. Eliot kind of vibe where you're like, oh, where's this sentence going? Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. a period there? Creative. Well, that's really exciting. I'm glad you waited to be recording to share that news with me that she reached out. So though we won't be taking her up on the offer, I don't think, just probably because you you're unemployed right now and that's a lot of money. Well, it's um, just like, I feel like I, I appreciate the offer, but I don't really feel like we need her to take us to the next level like I'd rather she gets it because you know she's like an indie founder and we're doing this indie we're doing this DIY so I don't really feel the need to get like a big record label involved in our music content specifically by which I think she means shout out to our theme song um I don't know if you all know this but Charlie has not only been our graphic designer but she has also been our composer and our editor up to this point I just show up really uh, she's done all the work. So big shout out to my girl, Charlie. But I also say the most dumb things. So it's fair that I have to edit them out. Yeah, it evens out for sure. I don't think I said this. I think we were just talking beforehand. But our last episode, I don't I know we like really emphasize how unhinged it was. But I don't think it actually was that much after I edited it. But I just so you know, it was over two hours and I edited out a solid 30 to 40 minutes of inappropriate recurring jokes me talking <laughs> about midnight sun um just like a bunch of like really not appropriate <laughs> um personal stories <laughs> um Lin-Manuel Miranda content coming from a place of ignorance yeah yeah um I I told Charlie this story but I had someone in my life my real life tell me that they were listening to that episode and I apologized for how unhinged it was and they were like oh you know I, I must not have gotten to that part yet and then I realized no Charlie probably just really took care of most of the there's still some don't oh, if yeah, you haven't listened yeah. to it yet go back and give it <laughs> give it a listen there's still some and listen content, to the but... end because I know I said secession instead of succession it's just because my brain <laughs> is broken and it bothers you or it bothers me more than it bothers you believe me it bothers you more than it bothers me. <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> 
Okay, is there more to uh, well, wrong so answers only? I'm gonna or? say well, so I do have a discussion question, but I might I think I'm gonna save it for now. This episode has been surprisingly long for a Tara episode. So if you would like to be featured on Wrong Answers Only, we give advice. We obviously read fan mail. Again, shout out Megan. We are happy to read over your business proposals. We might not take them because like, you know, we're kind of like girl bosses. So we got like a lot of stuff going on, but we'll read them. Yeah, it's hard out here. You can send us, you know, uh, your opinions. What is your ranking of over-the-counter pain medications? Are you a Tylenol girl? Are you an Excedrin baddie? Like, what are you? I will say, um, because I, Charlie was, uh cutting out real bad when she was doing her taxonomy so we'll need to discuss further off air what her order was but I'll say personally um that I am a big Excedrin lady as migraine sufferer Excedrin is definitely my go-to so I'm gonna go with personally I am a hashtag Excedrin baddie um and just just let us know uh you need to tell them where they can send their fan mail and their business proposals okay also We've okay. I won't get into it, but we've said a lot of things wrong about the socials, and they're really not popping off. So if you're a listener and you want to reach out to us, um, I I kind of wanted to promote the show by like being really rude to politicians on Twitter, but I'm worried that might bring like the wrong attention. So I decided not to. Definitely do that. not. Definitely not. Anyway, um, so if you want to reach us, our email is neverbeenwrongpodcast at gmail.com fan mail compliments uh questions these sorts of things we do not accept corrections though so do not send those put those Mm -hmm. write it on a little piece of paper crumple it up put it in the trash that's where it belongs am i right that's the suggestion am i right (laughs) everybody i i that's like the corniest joke i think is so funny is when someone puts like suggestion box on a trash can it's always been my dream to do that in an office anyway um first you need a job (laughs) okay okay not to um you know be too personal on the tl but i do have an interview i'm really excited about later this week so if i don't get it i'm gonna be really depressed and we'll record another episode then yeah definitely (laughs) i'll have more yeah it's gonna be a loss for the podcasting community so just make sure i'm stalling right now because i don't remember our socials (laughs) so make sure you send uh, yeah i pulled up our uh, okay i was i was right now make sure to send us your thoughts topic suggestions compliments um business proposals you know just general information that you feel we need to know to um so never been wrong podcast is the email never been wrong pod i think on instagram dude let me check no this is terrible no okay okay guys this is listen this time ignore what i said before okay never been wrong podcast at gmail.com that's been the same throughout okay and that is the (laughs) best way to reach us i get push notifications to my phone so um no mean things though i'm fragile um our twitter is never wrong pod which i know is kind of a dumb handle but that's the only thing that would fit our instagram is never been wrong podcast and we don't have any other socials because um tiktok is for gen z and um myspace is dead and LinkedIn is for boomers. I kind of would love it if we got rid of our Instagram and Twitter and just had a MySpace. 
instead (laughs) what's like the funniest social network let's make like a plenty of fish profile or something oh my god that'd be so funny if we made like a dating profile and then we're just like like, listen to our podcast (laughs) just like i'm a podcast i enjoy true crime in history and unhinged lin-manuel miranda content I feel like we would definitely get like a BuzzFeed article written about us, but that's not the kind of attention I want. I want organic growth, you know? So tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Oh, I love that. And then you guys can like fight over like which OTC painkiller you think is better. Yeah. Or like which host you like better. Tara. Tara Naders, Charlie Nation, let us know. Tara Naders? Take that back right now. <laughs> that was just off the top of the dome, so we can workshop it. I like Terra Tots because mm. it's kind of like Triceratops That's and cute. Tater Tots. I like that. Terra Tots. I like so. Charlie Nation too, so we can keep those. You, oh, you're a nationalist? Interesting. <laughs> okay, it's actually anti-nationalist to create your own nation. Um, anyway, so uh, to all our Terra Tots and Charlie Nation, uh, give us a shout on any of those socials and we will be to you real soon, depending again on the jobs <laughs> situation. On both of our mental health. <laughs> And for real, I feel like probably everyone who listens to our podcast is, but get your booster if you haven't already. (laughs) And be safe out there because we don't know, as of recording right now, we're kind of just getting the first reports on this Omni omni character omnicron is how you say that okay you're an intellectual we get it but you know i've never seen i obviously haven't listened to or watched any news about it but i've that's been just watching how, that's a word for 36 hours straight that's just a word and that's how you say it's that a Greek word letter that i don't know how to say yeah exactly anyway um, anyway you know, <laughs> just you know stay safe out there is all um all our german listeners uh shouts out I think they have some cases already, so. Okay, um, <laughs> thank you all for listening, and just remember that you have absolutely never in your life ever been wrong before. Bye. Bye.